I love comics, but I've seen a lot of hesitation about them. I know there is more to comic books than what meets the eye, and I want to learn about and share all this medium has to offer. That's why I decided to get a group of friends who don't share my taste or opinions to help me experience it all. Together, we want to share what we find with every type of reader out there. So, listen up, nerds and future nerds. It's time for the VF Comics Podcast. back or welcome for the first time to the vf comics podcast the best comics podcast that you're not listening to unless you're listening to it right now i'm your host marcus and this week i have with me meg hey and james hello or as i've been calling him beta ray james i'm still not sure if he likes that nickname or not um i'm lukewarm on it (laughs) so this week we actually have a lot of different topics to talk about including bad idea a local boy who's published a comic we're going to talk a little bit about something is killing the children there's a new miss marvel miniseries coming and there is going to be a comic con podcast that is going to look at the history of the san diego comic con And then we're going to end the day with something a little different. Since it's the last episode of the month, we're going to talk about what we've been reading this month and try to get you to pick some of that up. So to start off, Bad Idea, the new publisher that only ships off books to 200 stores, out of nowhere has announced that they're done, kaput, and finished, and that they will publish through the year before they are no more. At the end of the week, about a week and a half ago, they announced their big final five. These are the last books they'll release. The final five are Hero Trade Passive Aggressive by writer Matt Kent and artist David Lapham, Monster Kill Squad by Christos Gage, Thomas Giorello, and colorist Diego Rodriguez, Pirate Queen by writer Peter Miller, Adam Polina, and colorist Tamra Bon... Bond villain? Yeah. That's that's pretty kick-ass last name. Uh, That's a good name. Bond villain. Uh, Refuse, uh, Cross Last Resorts Refuse, by Matt Kent, with art and cover by Marguerite Savage, and a double Last Resorts Odin's Eye. Uh, Last Resorts is written by Mark Russell and has art by Adam Polina, and Odin's Eye by writer Joshua Dysart, and art is by Thomas Giarello and colorist Diego Rodriguez. So that's the final five. If you're interested in pre-ordering them, there was a special pre-order where you could get stickers if you were the first 10, correct, James? Yep. If you were the first 10 to pre-order it at your local shop, I guarantee there's no chance in in heck, heaven, anywhere that, you, that you're going to be able to get it now. But you can pre-order those already right now. But the big thing I want to talk about is that Bad Idea has been 
crazy successful. The secondary market for their books is immense. I definitely could sell all the copies I have at this point and make more than my money back because of the demand. They've done some outlandish things before. So are they really finished? Is that what's really going to happen? The internet doesn't seem to think so, but the people buying these books are preparing for the worst. James, as a one of the 200 retailers, what do you think? Uh, I think, well, what I've been telling people is stay tuned because, you know, we don't have that much more information than most everybody else does. But it seems like there's more coming. Everybody's been speculating that they might rebrand that there might be something to do with uh, uh, other media endeavors like uh, TV shows or movies or whatever. Mainly, this is getting people talking, just like uh, everything else that they've been doing. They have a brilliant marketing strategy. I don't know if if you'd call it confrontational, but very much their own way of doing things. And it uh, rubs people somewhat the wrong way but it gets people talking and it's been on the lips of just about every customer that comes in so uh, good for them for that strategy yeah good idea is i mean they just started finally sending they were i think the original plan was to send books out last year but then with covid they took their time and they finally began releasing with their first book being ENIAC. but they're releasing what seems to be short series or just one shot so far and at first, they were releasing one book a month. Now they're up to two, correct? Yes. And did I hear correctly that this fall it'll be three? Uh, or is that just... Periodically, I think. I, I think that the way that the schedule is going to fall, there will be more than more than two for a couple of months, I think. So at the shop, you showed me the ad for them being done. And it's almost comedic in that you can't take it seriously. But they're not saying any different, even to retailers. They're not. They're not even telling you guys what's going on, oh, yeah. which has got to be partially infuriating. But I know you're selling all those books. Oh yeah, I'm fine. I, I mean, I'm I'm just riding the ride right now, uh, just like everybody yeah. else. Uh, but the the thing is, is that we've seen kind of crazy marketing schemes before, but this is uh, this is tied to very quality content. You know, it's not the the uh, usual flash in the pan type stuff. This is really good stuff. Uh, and, and, and the way that they've been able to sort of aggravate slash excite the speculator market uh, has been interesting to say the least. So, you know, you're still seeing copies of Hero, Dra- he, uh, Hero Trade, their initial book going for like two grand on the internet. Which the funny thing about that is wow. part of the reason, Meg, for that. I don't remember us talking about it. I don't think we actually gave the title when we talked about it initially. Hero Trade, they sent out to the shops and didn't let anybody know what it was. And no one knew it was their initial book. <laughs> I, so, I remember James saying that now. Like, which is a wild thing to do, but it just drove up all this speculation. It's They're good at getting attention of the comics market. I My hope is that if they can maintain the quality of the stories and the books, that what has happened is that a larger publisher maybe has picked them up 
and is forking all the costs. And then Bad Idea, instead of being a publisher, will be an imprint of a specific of another publisher. And that way, maybe these guys can all focus on their stories and not have to worry about the marketing or not the not the marketing, but the, you know, the paperwork side of it and the distribution side of it. That's my genuine hope, because I would love to see this stuff reach more stores because the stories are great. Even without the crazed marketing, these stories are so good. But the marketing is definitely a part of the adventure that Bad Idea has been so far this year. The only reason I hope that they are actually done is because the books that I have will skyrocket in price and I can <laughs> sell them. But I don't also don't <laughs> want to do that. Like I like having them. I'm a big on I'm big on just having it. I've never sold a book that I have that's worth money because collecting is part of it. Well, you got to understand this too. You're only allowed one copy per purchase and they're not doing collections or digital or anything else. So, you know, that, that comic book is that comic book. That's it. And that's, that's crazy to me too, because that's just going to drive up the collectible value of this over time too. And it wouldn't, if that was the norm, but because it's not the norm, it's so different. And just all the other reasons on the quality of the stories themselves to the quality of the paper they're printed on. These are people who clearly love comics and wanted to do their own thing. So yeah, I think picking a big, big publisher is not that, but I just, I can't see them really going. The, the, the video was too uh, silly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess well, he used all this stock, you know, <laughs> bull crap. Somebody, uh, somebody put it to me this way, you know, how often do you see somebody going out of business, hashtagging, they're going out of business. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's a very, Strange situation, and oh, every everything store. is everything <laughs> is uh, very tongue in cheek about the uh, about the shutdown and everything. So I don't know. who knows. And then what they'll what they'll probably do is they'll celebrate like, oh, because we were shutting down, everyone bought so many of our books that you saved us. So now we're gonna have. Uh, these five oh, released oh that are that are you saved us books. Yeah, and, and, and I mean <laughs> I may be crazy, like but I, I'm I'm thinking I was looking at the release schedule on one of the books uh, for later in the year, and it seemed like that the way it was staggered that the last issue would would actually fall next year, early next year. So mm-hmm. I, I don't I, maybe I was looking at that wrong, but you know it's just really really. Uh, a strange way of going out of business. Well, their name is a disclaimer, I feel like. So I feel like they can get away with whatever they want. Well, it's like all the f- silly articles are like, oh, it looks like it was a bad idea. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, and I know. I don't know. But you know what's not a bad idea? A publishing company picking up a book that a 12-year-old boy has written about his bullied <laughs> life. And Megan is going to talk to us about that because... It is about a local situation to where we live. So, Megan, you seem to have the information for that. So why don't you talk to us about that? Uh, yeah, so there's a 12-year-old boy from Sherwood, Arkansas, which is in the North Little Rock, Little Rock area, who, with the help of Zyker Press, has recently published a graphic novel entitled One Shot, A Story of Bullying. And so Alex Brewerton was born with a really rare disease called Cloves Syndrome, C-L-O-V-E-S, of which there are only about 150 cases worldwide. And because of this disease, 
it's caused uh, the one side of his face to just continue to grow. So he has a bunch of overgrown uh, tissue on the left side of his face. And he actually has had over 20 surgeries in his 12 years so far just to try and control the growth. So as you can imagine, he's faced a lot of bullying um, because of this condition. And so this 76-page graphic novel recounts the severe bullying he faced growing up and continues to face every day. His goal in writing this book is to, he's not trying to make money off of it. (laughs) He's actually trying to get it into every school library in America. That is his goal. And so instead of making schools pay for it, he's actually hoping that donors will buy the graphic novel and will donate to schools. And he was quoted as saying, maybe a bully can read this and realize it's wrong. Maybe the bully rates in Arkansas and the U.S. can go down around and around the world um, so some people can finally get help. So the chain restaurant Slim Chickens, if you know what Slim Chickens oh, is, Slim they've, Chickens. Actually, <laughs> they've actually already donated $5,000 to help Alex get his book in um, schools across Arkansas. Oh, so if incredible. anyone is interested, I know. So if anyone's interested in purchasing a copy or getting one to donate... Um, we are going to have uh, the link in the episode description, I believe. And we're going to so. be putting it, we're going to make a special ad on our Facebook and Instagram accounts that are going to highlight uh, this book specifically. So you can check on us during the week this week and find that ad. So like, I actually know, I went to school with someone uh, who had cloves and I was actually researching cloves but to like prepare for this um, podcast segment. And uh, she was in an article on The Mighty. Uh, I don't know if you know The Mighty, but um, she was on there and was talking about like her story. So anyway, so yeah. It's Cloves, C-L-O-V-E-S. Cloves, C-L-O-V-E-S, and it's an acronym. And I do not remember. Okay. It's a lot of words. Vascular somewhere in there. Yeah. It's so cool that this publisher is picking up books like this from people yeah, who in trying to spread that sort of awareness. Publisher. Like That's a real good guy move. It's Zyker, and it's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's Z-U-I-K-E-R. I swear someone said Zyker, though. Okay. I watched a video. I may be wrong. But yeah, I look went on their website, and they had a lot of books like this about teens. I know that we have one in our library about, oh gosh, I can't remember what it's about, but it was written by a teenager. So they're doing good stuff. Absolutely. And speaking of teens and representation, there is a Miss Marvel miniseries coming out, and that's our next bit of news. So I found another transition. Oh, you're so good. Uh, yeah. Um, so th- now there's already been an ongoing Miss Marvel series, but there is a new miniseries coming out this September, and it's going to be it's it'll be the first time that the Miss Marvel series hasn't been written by someone of Middle Eastern descent. So the miniseries is going to be written by uh, Samira Ahmed. And the place that I actually found this article was on Entertainment Weekly, which is awesome that, like, I'm still constantly excited and surprised to find information about comics and comic books coming out in mainstream popular culture media. I, I... you know, this is something that I dreamed of as a kid. I literally got made fun of for wearing a Spider-Man shirt one day in junior high. And <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I'm James, I'm sure grew up with some of that stigma too, but anyone who's grown up now, there's just not that to loving superheroes and reading superhero comics. So it's, I'm just, but I'm still, every time I'm excited to be like, look how accepted this is now. This is fantastic. And what's not only fantastic about this being accepted is that this is a teenage 
female Muslim hero, and that has blown up over at Marvel Comics. Something that, you know, it's very difficult to write a breakout character, let alone a female minority character in comics, that doesn't fall into a lot of, you know, doesn't become a caricature of what we think that subpopulation is supposed to be like. So I'm really, really excited about this. It's going to be written by uh, acclaimed YA writer Samira Ahmed. She has not written a comic before, um, but she has written a couple of YA books. Um, Her best known are Internment and Love, Hate, and Other Filters. So according to the quote, uh, according to the article... Uh, Miss Marvel will be Ahmed's first comic. She's proved. Oh, I've, I just said that. What the? F- I'll just. I'll, <laughs> I'll edit this part. You have to keep that. So, <clears throat> according to the article, I quote: "Miss Marvel will be Ahmed's first comic. She's previously been known for YA novels like Internment, a dystopian story set 15 minutes in the future of the United States, where Muslim Americans are rounded up into camps, inspiring 17-year-old Layla Ahmed to begin a revolution." And her other book, Love, Hate, and Other Filters, whose Indian-American protagonist Maya, Aziz, struggles to balance her parents' traditional expectations with her own dreams of film in New York City. Both of the plots to those books sound like something that would fit very well in with Miss Marvel. And so I'm really excited to bring her, see her bring some of that in. And it's very timely, too, because we are getting a Miss Marvel Disney Plus TV show before, I'm assuming, the new Captain Marvel movie has Miss Marvel in it, Kamala Khan. And the only reason that people are assuming Miss Marvel's going to be in the new Captain Marvel movie is it's called The Marvels, and the S on Marvels is Kamala Khan's, like, S symbol that she has on her superhero outfit. This is really, really exciting. I... We'll definitely be checking this out and picking it up. My wife has become obsessed with Kamala Khan lately to the point that she actually picked up the Avengers video game <laughs> because yes. she like saw the stuff that she could do. You know, James, from a retailer perspective, I know we've talked a little bit about sometimes the difficulty of selling certain kinds of characters. How does how's Miss Marvel and books like that been um, in your shop? Fairly well. I hate to say it, but there's like a regional bias sometimes with these types of things. Luckily, I'm, I'm sort of in a part of town that's pretty progressive and, uh, and uh, really digs this kind of stuff. I, I, I get so frustrated with people who sort of dismiss these types of books outright. I'm a big fan of, uh, of these books. Also... Uh, a big fan of bringing in new voices that would be uh, working on these books. I just try to, you know, keep things positive, try to ignore all the noise. Uh, but yeah, they're doing pretty good with us. Megan, have you read any Miss Marvel? I actually haven't. No. I'll have to bring you that book too. Yep. Yep. I'll read it. Um, I feel like the Miles Morales Spider-Man and the uh, Miss Marvel Kamala Khan series have really captured to me what I feel is the essence of what a Spider-Man was in the 70s. Of just, you know, Peter Parker was this kid. He had relationship troubles. And so, like, it felt true to, like, maybe somebody's life. And he was identifiable, which is why he became so popular. And a part of that is Stan Lee wrote, I believe, teen romance novels before he 
joined Marvel. Is that correct, James? Do I remember that right? Oh, yeah. He wrote a little bit of that stuff. No. Yeah. That's that's how Marvel developed a lot of their characters, and you see a lot more of the drama and, um, you know, personal problems in their books is because that's what his background was in, was in um, teen romance and drama. (laughs) I love that. Isn't that incredible? So I feel like, you know, Miss Marvel has been one of the modern icons of that sentiment. So I'm really looking forward to her blowing up even further, especially when we get the show. I'm so excited for a Miss Marvel TV show. I guess I'm kind of excited for like a non militant ish Avengers uh, type thing. We're like, besides Spider-Man, most of the heroes are pretty like, mercenary military in a way or government and yeah, last, um, yeah. this last avengers run's been weird yeah i mean not so much well i guess content wise and lineups, <laughs> they've really kind of thrown a, a lot of different types of characters into the group like blade and mm-hmm. ghost rider and, you know stuff like that I, just seems a little bit different maybe someone was just maybe one of the heads of Marvel was playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance. It was like, oh, it is cool that Nightcrawler and Blade are hanging out. Like, let's do more of that. So earlier I was talking about how, like, comics and being into superheroes just doesn't wasn't acceptable growing up. So a lot of comic early comic conventions were small, pretty much just group hangouts, which is the key point to our next topic, which is that there is a Comic-Con podcast that's going to highlight San Diego Comic-Con's early days through interviews. The title of the podcast is Comic-Con Begins. It's a new podcast series from SiriusXM Podcasts, who have also been the group behind Marvel's Wastelanders, Old Man Star-Lord, and huge fan. There's multiple U's in there, so I guess I just huge <laughs> fan. Yeah, I just thought you didn't know how to pronounce that word there for a second. I was like, By oh, hug actually... fan. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the series debuted this week on SiriusXM's app, Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, and like the event that inspired it, it's about the humans behind the phenomenon. Um, according to the article, the podcast will have a lot of focus on interviews with many involved, including the original group who put it together when it was just some friends hanging out. And on the Apple podcast, on the Apple podcast description, it says we can expect appearances by Kevin Smith, Neil Gaiman, Frank Miller, Felicia Day, Bruce Campbell, the Russo brothers, Scott Ackerman, Trina Robbins, San Sakai, Tim Seeley, Maggie Thompson, Sergio Argonas. Kevin Eastman, Hoche Anderson, and a whole lot more. So this seems to be a really in-depth look at the early days, again, through interviews. I have not started the first episode yet. Very excited to check it out. And I wanted to make sure everyone knows about it because I'm a recent visitor of these comic conventions. And I always wondered, what was I doing with my life where I wasn't going to these things? I was an adult. I was nearly... Oh gosh, I must have been 26, 27 went to my first convention, and it was just one here in town. You know, I never went to anything big. James, have you ever been to a major comic convention? Uh, yes, I've been to Chicago. Who Did you get to meet anybody cool there? Uh, let's see. This was during the, uh, I guess it was the early 2000s. Saw uh, Garth Ennis. Bendis may have been there. 
But yeah, it was it was a cool time. San Diego Comic Con has gotten to a point where I'm not interested in going to San Diego Comic Con. It's just such a large, massive financial <laughs> thing to financial disaster to do to yourself. But um, I'm hoping next week we're going to talk a little bit about a lot smaller conventions because that's what I want to hit up. Because even the smaller conventions have some huge people. Gail Simone came through Little Rock. Um, <clears throat> they have, we've had several wrestlers. Mick Foley came to Little Rock. Sean Astin, I met him here in Little Rock. I met Kevin Conroy at the uh, Little Rock Comic Convention. Uh, Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman, for those who are not in the know. He has been voicing him since the animated series in the 90s. Uh, who else have I met? Oh, I met the original Red Ranger, Austin St. John. Nicest dude in the entire world. Uh, just a personal kid hero. <laughs> But I, so, you know, little conventions don't mean that you're not going to get to meet some of these people. And I'm hoping in September, fingers crossed, that I'll finally get to meet Brandon Frazier and give him the hug that I've always wanted to give him. No, I'd be he so happy for let, you. They probably won't let me touch him. Um, that's probably not good. Probably They're going to be like, this no. guy's got creepy eyes. We're not letting him near Brandon. <laughs> I do not understand your Brandon, Brandon Frazier session it's a problem uh it's not he's a lovely human being and i want to be with him what's weird about that no, just as long as it doesn't impact your daily functioning as someone who works with him it definitely does so <laughs> megan will just see me sitting at my desk with a frame photo of brandon Fraser going ah, ah. <laughs> yeah it's fine he just starts talking to him yeah, sometimes that, like he's there Shh, brandon she's getting weird played, uh, played the bad guy <laughs> Commando. It was also in uh, uh, Mad Max. I'm really oh, curious yeah. to, to. Well, actually, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see him because I mean, he was like such a such a uh, iconic bad guy of my youth. <laughs> it was uh, he was something else, especially in Road Warrior. Vernon Wells. What's that? Who? He was, Vernon Wells. Yeah. He was Bennett. Oh. In Commando. Oh yeah, I I met him too when I met um, Austin St. John because he came over to his booth. He didn't know who he was. I believe Vernon Wells. Um, I <laughs> kind of recognized him, but I didn't. When someone said his name, I did. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's because, you know, pardon me, he played a bad guy on Power Rangers <laughs> one time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, that that that's why. Um, but I've since corrected myself on that. But yeah, no, he he it was really cool because um, he was real friendly with Austin and um, the other uh, actors over there. He was he was Wes, a mohawked, leather clad biker who serves as Lord Humongous's lieutenant in the gang, described as the most evil of the humongous's followers, a huge brute who rides around on his bike, snarling psychopathically. You, you, you may remember because he had, had that little blonde dude on the bike, back of his bike all the time, like his, uh, like a, <laughs> like a chain on him or something. I can't remember. The little, the little feral kid threw a boomerang and chopped his fingers off. Cause that's how boomerangs work. And feral kids. And feral, and feral children. <laughs> so, since we're on the topic of children, I want to talk about 
Something is killing the children. Yay! I found it! I found it! So, James, the reason I brought this up, nothing you know special has come out for Something is Killing the Children, but it has become a phenomenon. It is one of the best-selling books out there. I know you can't keep it on your shelf. I'm lucky enough to only be missing a single issue of this. Um, for those who don't know, Something is Killing the Children is just this very popular ongoing comic series by industry great James Tenyon IV, because that dude seems to be able to just write, and people love it. I honestly keep running into him accidentally. I read something and then find out later if I that I liked it, and that it's by him. So it's illustrated by uh, Werther de la Dara and published by Boom Studios. And the synopsis is, When the children of Archer's Peak begin to go missing... Everything seems hopeless. Most children never return, but the ones that do have terrible stories. Impossible stories of terrifying creatures that live in the shadows. Their only hope of finding and eliminating the threat is the arrival of a mysterious stranger. One who believes the children and claims to see what they can see. Her name is Erica Slaughter. She kills monsters. That is all she does, and she bears the cost because it must be done. So this book starts off a little bit like I've, volume one to me kind of starts off a little bit slow, but it's all about building the world and these characters that they inhabit and making it real. This horror series does something that I've always considered to raise the stakes in horror fiction and that it kills children, which is in the title. And I kind of wondered if the title would really be on point, And it is. This book kills Children. Stories where kids are killed. Usually it's a choice by the writers to lay the expectation that no one is safe. Think about uh, think about it. The movies and miniseries like It, Doctor Sleep, Children of the Corn, Pet Cemetery, Halloween Season of the Witch, for those who like bad movies. Wait, what? Um, the Blob. Um, even the newest Halloween. Did you say people who like Blob? bad movies? The Halloween season of the witch, I love it, but it's a bad movie, bro. Halloween <laughs> season of the witch is not a good movie, <laughs> but I, I love it. It's it. I really like it. But also the Blob and the newest Halloween film um, from just a couple of years ago. When a kid is killed, no one feels safe. It raises the suspense. You feel like you never know what's going to happen. That's so true. I've never thought about it like that, but that's no. so dang true. The, it's what added the tension at the beginning of the most recent it. Uh, you know, the first thing it does is you get a pretty graphic scene of Georgie being killed. And at that point I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I knew the basics cause I'd seen the miniseries. I have not read the book. It's bigger than the Bible. So I'm not going to you read it twice. Dang. Really? Showing no. us up. You think you're better than me? Um, <laughs> But so on top of the tension of the fact that children are getting killed, the main character isn't invincible. And Tinian is also clearly building to a larger, to something larger underneath the surface of what's going on. Basics is something is killing the children and there's somebody who can stop it. But there are little things that happen during the first arc that you're like, there's more to this. There's a universe that he's crafting and building here. There's an entire world that he's invented that I hope he continues to explore and go down 
But at the same time, for the sake of it being a horror mystery, I hope some of it stays a mystery. Uh, just because that sounds awesome. It, it's something I really liked about, if you haven't read it, Scott Snyder's Witches. It, he's only done the one volume. And there is a lore baked into it that he doesn't explore at all. And he keeps talking about he's going to do the next volume. And it's not happening. I'm hoping now that he's finished with Batman over at DC, we'll get a volume two of Witches. Witches is spelled W-Y-T-C-H-E-S, by the way. I remember whenever it first came out, we had, you know, it, it was right around the time when we were opening. And we had ordered a ton of copies. And I, I just remember thinking, man, I probably shouldn't have ordered that many. But I mean, they flew out. And now with the uh, secondary market, those issues are very valuable, uh, particularly variants of, uh, of different issues. It, they really did some great variants for that book by some great artists. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a hit. It is. It, it's incredible. It's a great horror book. I think it, it's my favorite one I've read recently coming out. I, I hope it gets like a true ending whenever Tinian is finished with it. Um, usually, however, <clears throat> cause just because, you know, sometimes characters in universes can kind of go on too long. You know, like I'd love to get a definitive ending. Sometimes that's the worst thing about comic books is that they sometimes for some characters, they don't end and a new writer comes on and just isn't as equipped as the previous creator. Um, same thing happens with artists. I know, I think we talked about the other week that happened with Star Wars. The Star Wars art eventually just got so bad, I ended up dropping it. Which Star Wars art? Um, I can't remember what was going on. Just that, like, it, it's when they were basically tracing oh, yeah. the actors' yeah. faces for the book. Yeah. It was just really. Oh, yeah, it wow. was like they were straight up taking stills of the actors, and though they were using that to make the. Characters look almost yeah, not quite never. photo real, but like accurate. The problem is, if a character didn't have a, I think that was mostly a Salvador Larocca thing, if I remember. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It, it, if the character didn't have an associated actor, you just they didn't look like they belonged on the same page. So, oh yeah. dang, yeah, it's that's a weird, awful. bad decision. They got criticized to hell on it too. But I don't want to talk about what we're not reading anymore. I want to talk about. What we are reading. So now we're to the part of the episode where I want to talk about what's been going on this month. What have you been reading? What have you been checking out? I definitely have my clear winner, but I want to hear from you guys first. So whoever wants to start. You're both too passive to go first. <laughs> okay. I was like... Um, <laughs> we are, we are. War of the Bounty Hunters kicked off since we were talking about Star Wars. Um the Star Wars books, since uh, they kind of relaunched, I guess it was early last year, I think, have been pretty good. And uh, they've built to this new this new story that's crossing over into all the all the different Star Wars series, except for High Republic. Uh, that is very much about what what happens with Han Solo. And carbonite between Empire and Jedi, and uh, it's it's really giving them a, a chance to really kind of reconnect with with some of the backstory with Han from 
that that's been in the movie, you know, going all the way back to his uh, solo movie. We've seen a lot of uh, a lot of familiar faces come back. Kira has come back. Oh, that's kind of a bummer because now I feel like we're definitely not getting a follow up movie. Uh, with that character now that they've got a definitive future. No, they've, they've been skipping around quite a bit with different characters, but um, but it, it was actually encouraging to me that that, that that lore wasn't going to be ab- abandoned. I mean, it, it is being used in mm-hmm. the comics are canon. Spit. I, I had a customer come in who, who said that he was absolutely not going to read the uh, series because he was convinced that, that they were going to like, thaw out Han and then thaw him back. For Jedi, <laughs> which uh, would be like the worst idea ever, but it's not an unreasonable assumption. Though, I mean, to be it, honest, it would be so obviously wrong, you know. Considering, you know, he's like frozen in that specific iconic way, you know, yeah. from the very beginning all the way through Jedi, and it's like, okay, we're gonna unfreeze him, and then we're gonna somehow freeze him right back just the way he was. No, but uh, so far it's been good. All the issues that it's run through, it's run through Star Wars, and Bounty Hunters, Darth Vader. Darth Vader's been really good uh, here recently. We've uh, they've really kind of touched on some things about his dynamic with the Emperor. By, by the time Return of the Jedi rolls around, you really see some of these events before that kind of like really sort of emphasize the fact that. Vader was kind of in a, in a no-win situation no matter what he did. But uh, that's been good. And uh, I've also been... I've, uh, I'm about two issues into Blue Flame. They just put the uh, second issue out last week. It's, it, it continues to, to deliver. It's a, it's a slow burn. I don't know how, how much you know people will have patience for it, but... Uh, it's a really great book about a guy who is a superhero and the narrative picks up pretty much in, in two different places. One of them is of him as a legit powered individual who's been forced to, to sort of litigate the fate of mankind, the human race, to, to prove to these aliens that, that, that we're worth keeping around. And it also picks up where he's basically the uh, victim of a uh, mass shooting, him being a real-life superhero type. You know, it's, it, it, he doesn't have powers. He's just kind of a, a dude going around, you know, doing appearances and, and stuff. And he ends up in the middle of a, of a mass shooting. It really touches on some family issues and so on. So it, it, you get the sense that those two narratives are going to eventually kind of come together whenever we get to that ultimate judgment of mankind. It's really heady stuff and I'm really digging it. So yeah, that's what I've been reading. Yeah. So, um, God, I really haven't read. I just checked out a ton of stuff in the library, but, um, yeah, the two things that I, uh, read this month that probably enjoyed the most were I read the first volume, which is issues one through five of sweet tooth, which I know Marcus has also been reading this month. I don't know what he's on. But, yeah, um, I, I it was really good. The library has almost all of them, and our branch actually has, I believe, three or four of the volumes. So I read them all yeah. in like a day. Well, and yeah, I read that one, and then that, that's the only one I've been able to get since then. They've all been on hold, so I'm have those on hold, and I'm waiting. And then um, I read 
The Prince and the Dressmaker, which is a completely different book from Sweet Tooth by Jen Wang. And um, she's written uh, graphics, uh, stargazing and in real life. And so this book is adorable. It's about uh, a seamstress named Frances, and she starts working for a prince named Sebastian. And it is just as adorable as it sounds. It's um, not entirely what you expect. It's not just your, you know, classic fairy tale story. Sebastian happens to be the fashion icon known as Lady Cristalia. And um, it's so good, you guys. It's I'm going to read a little a quote about it. Jen Wang weaves an exuberantly romantic tale of identity, young love, art, and family. A fairy tale for any age. The Prince and the Dressmaker will steal, steal your heart. So it's very good. Those are the adjectives I have for you. Good. Very. It's... <laughs> I'm gonna buy you a thesaurus for your birthday. Sweet. <laughs> I need one. That's too. what it's I have. Fine. That's what I have for you. So the prince. I gotta ask the prince and the dressmaker. So you said the prince is also the fashion icon, Lady Cristalia. Yes. Oh, and so he dre- he goes out at night. So he hires the seamstress Frances um, to make him these beautiful dresses, so that he can go out at night and be Lady Cristalia who is, he feels the most himself when he gets to go out and be her. It's very good. It, it's a good story about being true to who you are. And I feel like Frances is going to find out pretty quick. She's going to be like, hey, that's my dress that I made. Where'd you get that? Like, no, she knows. Oh, she knows? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was like, a, you know, yeah. like originally oh, like a head. secret and they become no, more she comfortable works with for themselves. Him. No. So she's very they, they share the secret. Okay, cool. It's, it's very good. I just checked out... What is it called? Come Again by Nate Powell. Is that the name of it? Mm-hmm. So I'm about to read that. I was going to read that before this, and I have not, so I'm sorry. But No, you're okay. Everybody gets busy, but I guess you're too busy to do me a favor. If, if y'all need yeah. anything, <laughs> it's because I don't Nate like Powell, you. Let me know. Where, uh, where oh, uh, yeah, totally. Misty's an old friend of his. So. What? What? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> Excuse me. So apparently yeah, I'm like two, awesome. So apparently in multiple directions I'm like two people well, removed like, from Nate Powell. She always talks of this like mythical time period in the I guess it's the early nineties. They all used to hang out. Uh, they were teens. No. Skateboard kids. So something about a punk rock house that, that I always kind of joke with. James was so hip. She says, we used to hang out at, at the punk rock house. And I'm like, okay, was there punk rock there? No, we just hung out with, with, with the punk rockers. And it's like, okay, what exactly did the punk rockers look like? I'm always asking all these questions, you know, and it's like, for, for some reason with her, it's just, it was the punk rock house. It was the punk rock house. How, how clear can I be? Well, okay, so one of you have to become very famous, please, so I can... Talk about my good old days in Little Rock. You can become famous. That's fun. (laughs) So what I've been reading this month is... Oh, yeah, we're doing this. Yeah, like... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Thought we were done. (laughs) Dang, I I didn't want to spend the next 20 minutes gushing on Nate Powell because we easily (laughs) could. Um, So what I've been reading this past month is I'm pretty heavily invested in all of the X-Men books. What's going on there is incredible. You know, for the most part, I've been trying to cut away from the big two, Marvel and DC. But uh, the X-Men books have been so good. And they celebrated two events this month, the Hellfire Gala and Planet-Sized X-Men, which had a huge event happen. I'm trying to debate if I want to say it. Like, is it... 
I mean, it's been out for a couple of weeks. Is it spoilery to say what happened in Planet Size X-Men? The, the X, uh, spoiler warning, the X-Men have cult, have used the, combined their powers to cultivate and basically take over Mars. Yeah. So like, <laughs> what? So like, it's what? planet sized X-Men because now they kind of have a planet and they've created a space dock and that is like considered the dock for our solar system because I think sometimes people forget that of, of all the Earth-based Marvel characters, the X-Men have had a lot of sci-fi and space-based adventures. So this is pretty on brand for them. Uh, but they are, and and was it Storm referred to herself, I believe, as the regent of the soul yeah. system or something and Doctor, like that. It looks like uh, Dr. Doom's not going to be very happy. Yeah, no. No. I mean, he's never happy. So just like in crazy stuff. And then all of the developments from the Hellfire Gala. And one thing I've been really impressed with the Hellfire Gala is how many of the series have used the event. Like sometimes when you have an event comic, they kind of ignore each group or connected comics subplots that's going on. And a lot of the X books, for instance, today I was reading uh, Excalibur, uh, the Hellfire Gala issue and how easily it's weaved this this major event with also the plot of what's going on in those books without ignoring them. So it's not like, oh, these things aren't happening anymore. We're just having this big hellfire. We're having this big comic event. It What's going on with the, each of the characters weaves through the entire night. And it's really cool because you see different characters crossing paths with each other through the different issues. It's really, 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 really cool. And yeah, all of it has been having just some major ramifications for all the X-Books going forward. The ambition is so exciting. I'm really hoping that a lot of the changes and things that have happened are going to stick for the long term. I think the X-Men need to be revitalized and used differently than they have been. And this seems like a great long-term direction for them. I really hope this sticks. And so... Really, really hoping for that. The other thing, really, that I want to highlight this week, I've read, if you want to hear about what I've read recently, you can go back to our previous episodes on my recommendations. I've been reading a lot. You know, I got Made in China, Nice House on the Lake, and a bunch of other series that I've been recommending the last few weeks. But to me, the highlight of all those books was Nice House on the Lake. The first issue is what I was expecting and not what I was expecting the way that it presents it. I think in the next week or two, maybe next week, the newest issue of the nice house on the lake comes out. It is a really cool series. It looked like a pretty basic horror series when it was first solicited because it's about a guy that knows a bunch of people and they all kind of know each other. They're aware of each other. They're from different friends groups he's had over time. He invites them to his house on the lake. And when they all get there, some of them were surprised to see each other, especially they were surprised to see the main uh, character, uh, most of all. Then some crazy stuff happens. And so instead of it being, I thought it was going to be, this weird guy is a serial killer. And we have yeah, like a so one of those like, you know, <laughs> you know scenario here. Yeah. going That's on around like. the house. And, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which I was like, that sounds like a fun read. I can't wait. And then again, I have to say it. So spoiler alert, please 
Skip ahead uh, 30 seconds. I'm going to say kidding. it real quick. So, <laughs> skip, spoiler alert, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then the world ends, and they're all safe. Yeah, what? Say, what? And then and th- just those people are safe at his house, and one of the guys attacks the guy what? that invited them all, and it, like, goes through him, and it's, you're like, what? Into like a yeah. and that's post-apocalyptic the horror Lovecraftian what? type thing. Like, oh, oh that is that, that I about as great the first issue as you can do. Oh my god! Yeah. So Whoa. spoilers are done. We're gonna end the spoilers here. Spoilers done. I'm gonna say it over and over again so someone knows they've reached it. Spoilers are done. Like James said, it's an amazing first issue. It's the like you have my attention. That's the way you do a first issue to a series. I cannot wait to. I think. Yeah, I think it's it. next week. The next issue comes out. Um, bring that to work. I got to read it. Yeah, I got to bring you something that's killing the children and this. Uh, but yeah, I was just digging through, and that was the one that really stuck with me the most this past month. Well, that has been it for the VF Comics podcast this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for supporting us this this past week while we got prepared for this episode. We reached over 100 downloads, which seems like a really big deal because we're just a group of, I feel like, nobodies. And there are people actually listening to us. And that just feels really, really good. So thank you all for listening. Make sure to visit us on Facebook or Instagram at VF Comics Podcast. On our Facebook site, we will have links and ads to everything that we talk about each week. And that's how you can contact us and even give us recommendations for things that you'd like to hear us talk about or you'd like us to read. Thank everyone again for listening to the VF Comics Podcast. We will see you all again next week. So long.